MSW Media. Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting the Daily Beans. StoryWorth is a meaningful gift you and your family can treasure forever, and you can get started right away. Go to storyworth.com slash dailybeans to get $10 off your first purchase. And thanks to MedKline for supporting the Daily Beans. If you suffer from shoulder pain or nighttime acid reflux or both, then MedKline is right for you. Get 20% off and a better night's sleep today at medkline.com slash dailybeans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, November 14th, 2022. Today, as predicted, the Democrats officially have held a majority in the Senate. The Department of Justice has revealed information about some of the items commingled with classified documents in Trump's desk. Fraudulent electors from the 2020 election in Georgia claim ignorance of Donald's January 6th plans. Donald sues the January 6th committee over his subpoena to run out the clock. E. Jean Carroll plans to file a new defamation suit against Donald And a Trump org exec reveals that Donald knew about the tax fraud scheme. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hi, everybody. What an incredible weekend. We captured the Senate. We held the Senate. Truly incredible. We found out Saturday night when Masto, Cortez Masto, was announced the winner in Nevada. And so we already knew Mark Kelly had had, uh, captured his seat again for, you know, won his reelection bid in Arizona for Senate there. And Katie Hobbs now leads by about 36,000 votes after several vote dumps over the weekend. They could call for her relatively soon. There's another dump of uh, Pima ballots expected today and then a massive Maricopa County ballot count. 90,000 ballots are coming in. And so it was just a really great weekend. Honestly, one of the best Veterans Days ever, for me at least. And, And it's important, by the way, that we still focus on Raphael Warnock and Georgia, because we need the 51. It's important that we get 51, because that way we don't have to, you know, dick around with a power sharing agreement with Mitch McConnell, which means we can get actual subpoena power. Plus, we need all the blue seats we can get for 2024, because the 2024 map is a lot tougher for Dems than it was in 2022 in this election. But with regard to Carrie Lake, I don't see a path for her to catch Katie Hobbs. So here's hoping, fingers crossed, but that we're almost a week in after the election and the House is still up for grabs just goes to show. I mean, you know, I thought we would get 53 Senate seats and 222 House seats. I was a lot closer than a lot of other people who were expecting a red wave. So yay us. And congratulations, by the way, everyone who donated to the How We Win Fund, 25 of our candidates won their seats. And there are about eight still to be determined that we sent money to. So remember when I said it was the most bang for your donation, Buck? That's what we meant. It it went to races who needed it the most. So congratulations. You helped. You helped prevent the red wave. All right. We have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay, so Republicans who claim to be Georgia's legitimate presidential electors in 2020, but were actually fraudulent electors, said Friday they were advised by then-President Trump's campaign to cast contingent electoral college ballots just in case one of Trump's long-shot legal challenges to the results happened to succeed. Any plans by top Trump lawyers, John Eastman, Rudy Giuliani, and others to use 
their provisional votes to subvert the 2020 election without any legal backing were concocted without their knowledge, according to attorneys for these electors. Quote, to the extent these reports are accurate, which the nominee electors have no way of knowing, the nominee electors did not and could not have had any involvement in or knowledge of any such plan. That was lawyers for 11 of Georgia's 16 fraudulent electors who would have been the state's legitimate electors if Trump had won the state. This is from a 41-page legal filing. Efforts to subvert the election on January 6th were never disclosed to or discussed with the nominee electors at any time. That's according to the electors' attorneys. It's notable that this explanation from state GOP officials and activists who signed certificates claiming to be Georgia's legitimate presidential electors on December 14th actually signed to attest that they were the legitimate electors. This was different from what happened in Pennsylvania, where they said, hey, we're not the the legit electors, but in case one of these legal challenges happens to win, we wanted to get our names down on this certificate before the December 14th deadline. Trump was seeking to challenge the results in court, though many of his lawsuits had been swept aside. And when they say many, they mean all but one, 63 out of 64. And that one was just so Republican observers could stand closer while ballots were being counted. So despite what happens here on Earth One, in reality, Trump allies pushed Republican electors to convene in state capitals on December 14th to cast contingent electoral votes, again, just in case any of those court challenges succeeded. Top Trump attorneys also pushed state legislatures to formally adopt the pro-Trump elector slates, even though no state legislatures ever agreed. Trump's legal challenges flamed out, but Eastman and others used the existence of the pro-Trump contingent slates to pressure then-Vice President Mike Pence to reverse the results. They had those fraudulent electors in their hands. And that's, you know, when Pence was required on January 6th to preside over Congress and count the votes. The Georgia electors say they had no knowledge of that plan when they decided to meet and cast ballots on December 14th. Rather, they said they were relying on their own legal counsel and the advice of the Trump campaign. We've seen how, well, my lawyers told me to do it has worked out for folks like Pete Navarro and Steve Bannon. Quote, to the extent that there's any truth to media reports that certain high-level members of the Trump team, Eastman, Giuliani, et al., developed a different plan to, among other things, attempt to convince Pence to count these contingent presidential electoral slates as the valid elector slates despite the lack of any successful judicial ruling. Such plan was reportedly conceived in late December 2020, well after the elector nominees executed their provisional ballots. We'll see how that goes. Now, you know, this is the Fonnie Willis, I think, investigation. We'll see, you know, in the Fonnie Willis investigation in Georgia, well, you know, these, they've been told, these electors have been told they're targets of this investigation, not witnesses. So we'll see how this shakes out. And in the documents case, the Mar-a-Lago documents case, in a letter responding to the special master outlining the disputes between the Department of Justice and Donald Trump about whether Trump's scribblings on clippings and briefings books are presidential documents, this letter was submitted. And here's the most relevant part of the letter. It says, quote, this document is a compilation that includes three documents. So this is ta- they're, they're referring to a set of documents that is in dispute. And the, and the DOJ says this document is a compilation that includes three documents that post-date Trump's term in office and two classified cover sheets, one secret and the other confidential. Because plaintiff can only have received the documents bearing classification markings in his capacity as president, the entire mixed document is a presidential record. 
Besides the classified cover sheets, which were inserted by the FBI in lieu of the actual classified documents, none of the remaining communications in the document are confidential presidential communications that might be subject to claims of executive privilege. Three communications are from a book author, a religious leader, and a pollster. The first two cannot be characterized as presidential advisors, and all three are either dated or by content occurred after the plaintiff's administration ended. Now, Marcy Wheeler says this explains how the DOJ accounted for classified documents in the Bates numbers. That's how you number documents in, in, in a case. And the answer there is that the FBI included cover sheets to mark where the classified documents were. So they count the running Bates count in order. And this particular group of documents was in his desk drawer. And we know that because those Bates numbers appear in item four of the big giant inventory list. And item four is a box from his desk drawer. According to this letter to Deary, this set of documents included a secret document, a confidential document, and communications from after he left office with an author, a religious leader, and a pollster, right? These are all together in one little group of documents. And even though these classified documents aren't as sensitive as the stuff found in the leather-bound box, it could be criminally damning for Donald because of the commingling thing I've been talking about and why the non-classified documents are just as important to the criminal probe as the classified documents, they could prove Donald possessed them and that they were an active part of his ongoing affairs after leaving office. The Department of Justice is trying to get these commingled documents back for one reason and one reason only. Evidence, criminal evidence for an indictment. There's no other purpose for the DOJ to claw back non-presidential records that could only be used to implicate him criminally, unless they're just trying to get the stuff back to the National Archives. I doubt that's it. Also, in the news, Trump has sued the 1-6 committee investigating January 6th as a way to challenge its subpoena for documents and his testimony, according to filings in a federal court in Florida. He was supposed to appear today, Monday, the 14th. Trump is challenging both the legitimacy of the committee, which has lost every single time in court from everyone else, and he's claiming he should be immune from testimony, absolute immunity, which the DOJ has said doesn't exist. Trump's lawyers say they've communicated with the House over the past week and a half as the subpoena deadlines neared, offering to consider answering written questions while expressing concerns and objections about the bulk of the documents that they want. This lawsuit wasn't filed for legal relief, obviously. It was filed for the same reason he always files suit, to air his political grievances and to delay. I've never expected him to testify. He would just delay. He would just run out this Congress's clock. It seems like what he's what he's doing, because that's what innocent people do. Avoid answering questions. And Donald Trump himself was aware of allegedly abusive tax practices at his company. And that's according to testimony at the criminal fraud trial. Trump organization controller Jeffrey McConney was asked by a prosecutor on Thursday whether longtime chief financial officer Weisselberg had spoken with former President Trump about reducing Weisselberg's salary and giving him perks instead to lower his tax liability. One striking aspect of the case is the loyalty that some prosecution witnesses may feel to the Trump organization. Weisselberg agreed in August to testify truthfully for the prosecution in exchange for a sentence as short as 100 days in jail, but he remains on the firm's payroll and has worked for the family since 1973, starting with Fred Trump, Trump's dad. As for McConney, the DA's office has unsuccessfully sought to have him declared a hostile witness, which would give it greater latitude in questioning him. Examining McConney on Thursday, the assistant DA, Joshua Steinglass, reviewed details of Weisselberg's annual salary and bonus for the jury in the New York State Supreme Court of Manhattan. 
McConnie told the jurors he had reduced Weisselberg's reported salary from $540,000 to $432,000 by backing out payments made by the Trump Corp, one of the two Trump companies on trial, for his car expenses, rent, and tuition for his grandchildren. Steinglass asked McConnie whether Weisselberg ever told him he discussed the reductions with Trump. McConnie said he couldn't remember. And then the prosecutor asked him to review his own grand jury testimony from last year. After reading it, McConnie said Weisselberg had indeed told him on at least one occasion that he had discussed with Trump lowering his reported salary by the amounts paid toward the expenses. Steinglass also asked McConnie about other executives who benefited from perks that weren't included as taxable income. Chief Operating Officer Matt Calamari got a rent-free Manhattan apartment in a company car. That's according to McConnie's testimony. Calamari's son lived rent-free at a Trump apartment on Central Park South. He also, he also testified to that. But the big thing here is that Trump knew, which is going to make Weisselberg's testimony really interesting. Because if he lies, he blows up his 100-day jail deal and um, could be charged with everything. And just as we were hoping for, my friend E. Jean Carroll is signaling plans to file another defamation lawsuit against former President Donald Trump over his lengthy post attacking her on Truth Social, where he branded her rape allegations as a hoax and a lie. Trump's post on his social media platform replicates the 406-word statement from his political action committee, Save America, which he released last month on the same day a federal judge dealt him another defeat in a pretrial motion. I don't know this woman. I have no idea who she is, other than it seems she got a picture of me many years ago with her husband shaking my hand on a reception line at a celebrity charity event. She completely made up the story that I met her at the doors of this crowded New York City department store and within minutes, quote unquote, swooned her, he wrote. By swooned, he means rape at at Bergdorf Goodman in the 90s. Trump ridiculed the claim referring to Carol as Miss Bergdorf Goodman. He also repeated the denial using the same language that sparked Carol's original lawsuit in 2019. Quote, this woman is not my type, he, he wrote, following up his lengthy statement with Carol's picture. On Thursday, Carol's attorney, Robbie Kaplan, informed senior U.S. District Judge Lewis Kaplan, no relation, about Trump's comments in a brief letter previewing their upcoming lawsuit. Quote, Plaintiff E. Jean Carroll also intends to file a separate action against defendant Donald J. Trump on November 24th. 2022, raising a claim of battery pursuant to the Adult Survivors Act and a new claim of defamation relating to an October 12th statement that the defendant made about the plaintiff. Hmm. And she put the Truth Social post in a footnote. Now, signed by Kathy Hochul in May, the Adult Survivors Act removes what would have been the bar for Carol to address her rape allegations directly, not defamation, but the rape. Her litigation is previously focused on his denials rather than the sexual assault. But starting on November 24th, Carol would pursue civil actions on both. In addition to attacking Carol in his statement, Trump also took swipes at her lawyer, whom he called a political operative, and then the presiding judge. This decision is from a judge who was just overturned on my same case. Whatever. He he called the legal system a broken disgrace. The former president posted his statement on the same day that Judge Kaplan issued a ruling refusing to pause the case and denouncing the litigation strategy of Trump's lawyers. Quote, as this court previously has observed, Mr. Trump has litigated this case since it began in 2019 with the effect and probably the purpose of delaying it, Kaplan wrote. Shortly before the ruling, Trump had notched a partial appellate court victory. The Second Circuit found that Trump, when he was president, qualified as a government employee under the Westfall Act, potentially immunizing him from civil action. A divided three-judge panel certified a question to the D.C. Court of Appeals 
whether he made his denials under the scope of his employment. The answer to that question could be critical to deciding who the defendant will be over the defamation claims, Trump or the U.S. government, the Department of Justice. The D.C. Court of Appeals slated oral arguments for that on January 10th, next, you know, in 2023. And they say, quote, in light of the D.C. Court of Appeals scheduling order to ensure the efficiency of these proceedings, we respectfully request a conference to discuss the trial date in this matter. That's Carroll's attorney adding that Trump consented to this request. For now, the trial is scheduled for February 6, 2023. But because he made these statements, the defamation statements on Truth Social and through his pack after he left office, that sort of moots the whole argument that he was a federal employee. DOJ can't represent him in that case. We'll see what happens in both cases. All right. That is the news. Uh, We have good news coming up next. If you have any good news you want to send to us, please do at dailybeanspod.com. Just click on contact. I'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. As you know, my sleep has been much better since I got my custom-made mattress from Helix Sleep. Everyone is unique. Everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from. Each one is designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. The Helix lineup now has 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers. They even have a mattress made just for kids. So how will you know which mattress works best for you from Helix Sleep? You go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and take their online two-minute sleep quiz. Answer the questions. It'll match the mattress to you with your body type and sleep preferences. I took the quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm mattress and I sleep on my side. Helix mattresses are all made in the USA. They come with a 10 or 15-year warranty, depending on the model. You get to try it out for 100 nights with no risk. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and give you a full refund. There's no risk here. I love my Helix Sleep mattress, and you will too. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders, plus two free pillows for listeners. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. With Helix, better sleep starts now. And I know when I spend time with loved ones on the holidays, I hear a lot of stories. Storytelling, that's my favorite part. There's ones I love to hear, ones I've heard a million times, and I still love them. Lately, I've been wanting to help someone in my own family document these timeless stories. You know it can be challenging to write an entire book of lifetime memories, but I found somewhere that makes it fun and easy. It's called StoryWorth. With StoryWorth, anyone can write a book about their life. And right now, StoryWorth is offering $10 off your first purchase at storyworth.com slash dailybeans. See, every week, StoryWorth will email your loved one a single life-related question that you get to pick from their collection, like what's the bravest thing you've ever done or what's the farthest you've ever traveled? And all they have to do is reply with their story. Then after a year, StoryWorth compiles all the stories and memories and even photos into an exquisite hardcover book, creating a valued keepsake. My family members plan to give theirs as gifts to their uh, friends. I gave one to my mom last year. It's beautiful. The book is incredible. We love it. It's going to be cherished for generations. Millions of stories have already been told with StoryWorth because they make the process so easy. Get started with your loved one for the holidays. And before you know it, you'll be hearing stories you've never heard before. Like the time my mom was trapped in an outhouse by a skunk. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, so help your family share their stories with this holiday preseason uh, special and with StoryWorth. You just go to storyworth.com slash dailybeans today and save $10 on your purchase. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash dailybeans to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash dailybeans. And if acid reflux or shoulder pain is ruining your sleep, you need MedKline. Seriously, it's the best thing I've ever used in my life. It has helped me get so much incredible deep sleep because I have, I'm a side sleeper, as you know. 
because of my Helix mattress. But, you know, I get a lot of shoulder pain um, because I sleep on my side so much. And it's, you know, it's just, it's getting to, I'm getting to that age where things just start hurting. But the MedKline sleep system has saved my sleep. Um, and, and they also have one for acid reflux. So if you suffer from shoulder pain or acid reflux, or both, the MedKline patented pillow system is designed to cushion your body in a sleeping position that is supremely comfortable and doctor recommended, by the way. It's clinically proven to provide effective natural acid reflux relief or shoulder pain relief and a better night's sleep. In fact, 95% of patients reported an overall improvement in sleep quality when they use MedKline. Now, MedKline sleep systems are not just simple foam wedges. They're actual medical devices, FDA registered, doctor recommended, clinically proven to provide relief. The patented arm pocket allows for comfortable side sleeping the whole night. And the MedKline shoulder relief system also helps those suffering from shoulder pain, rotator cuff injuries, arthritis, sleep issues, much more, much, much more. Plus, MedKline's medical-grade gel-infused foam is built to last and provides cooling comfort. And it's an exceptional night sleep for anyone using it. And right now, you can get 20% off when you go to MedKline.com slash Daily Beans. Get 20% off and a better night's sleep today at MedKline, M-E-D-C-L-I-N-E dot com slash Daily Beans. Again, today, 20% off at medcline.com slash daily beans. You'll be glad you did. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, what the mutt, Halloween photos, Christmas photos, Thanksgiving photos, any holiday photos, pets in costumes, I love, Whoopi stories, a shout out to someone you love, a shout out to your business or a local business that you want to support, anything, anything at all, send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Everybody, Dana will be back with me tomorrow, but I'm going to read these today because I, I just want like to ride this wave of good news from the weekend, from the election results. So first up from Cynthia, no pronouns given. Beans. I brought someone with me. This week was the first time my daughter voted. She's been coming with me to vote since she was a baby, but Tuesday was her first time stepping into that booth all by herself. I am so proud. I'm so proud of her. I've included a photo of the two of us outside our polling station. And for tax, a photo of my 16-year-old dog, Lily, frolicking in a rare cool breeze on our balcony. 16-year-old. Oh, that's wonderful. Look, look at mom and daughter. I absolutely love this. My mom used to drag me to vote all the time too. And, and she was there when I cast my first vote. Hi, Lily. What a sweet baby. Congratulations, both of you, on your hard work. We did it. Next up from Anonymous, pronoun she and her from Kansas. For anyone who has right-wing people in their lives who try to argue their bullshit, I wanted to share the best comeback from my daughter, who has a degree in philosophy. Quote, what is asserted without evidence can be dismissed without evidence. Oh, Ooh, that's good. That's a good one for social media. Thank you so much, Anonymous. Next up from Scarecrow, pronouns he and him. Hello, AG and DG. It is with a great sigh of relief that we Pennsylvanians managed to get it right and elect Governor Shapiro and Senator Fetterman. I met Johnny quite a few years ago when he was the mayor of Braddock, my birthplace. He's a fantastic man, and PA will be proud to share him with the rest of the country. Since we dealt Mastriano and Oz an uncontestable defeat, it's time to bring out the mocking miscreant Nelson Muntz. Photos added. No new chicken pics, but here's a photo of part of the Holiday Lights character crew. We work at an historic amusement park, and the lights come in next Friday. I'm the Nutcracker. I remember you, Scarecrow. I'm the Nutcracker, but I made all the costumes pictured, plus two not shown. 
This will be my 11th season. I've never missed a night. Thank you for your hard work and your unsinkable optimism. We'll get through this together. Yep, there you are. I remember this. I remember this from last year. And then, ha to the Oz sign. That's wonderful. And to Mastriano as well. Well done. Congratulations. Pennsylvania, oh, you got your state house flipped. That's so cool. Congrats, seriously. All right, next up from Paul, pronouns he and him. Hi, Dana and Allison. I have a couple of good news items. First, I was an election judge for the fourth time on Tuesday. Election judging in Illinois is not much of an act of bravery, as it is in some communities. Illinois is a solidly blue state that encourages voting. I personally processed three same-day registrations on Tuesday. But it is a grueling day. Starts at 5 a.m., polls close at 7 p.m., and delivering the ballots to the central processing area at around 8.30 p.m. We had a great election judging team for our precinct. An 80-plus-year-old gentleman, a mom of four kids under the age of 12, a high school senior, and me. I love it. Only one real problem. When a voter had a tizzy because she could not find the anti-abortion Supreme Court judge to vote for, I had to explain to her that those contests were in other districts. And as much as she would like to vote for one of those a-holes, I didn't use that language, she would have to move to that district to vote for those candidates. After some foot stomping and pouting, she huffed and finally voted. As background, Illinois elects its Supreme Court judges, each representing a district. There were two hotly contested seats this year that Republicans were trying to flip to change the court majority Republican as a block to Illinois' many progressive laws. Luckily, both of the Democrat pro-abortion rights candidates won. All in all, a good day, and Illinois went solidly blue. All the Democratic candidates held their seats, and our governor, Pritzker, and Senator Duckworth won so handily that their races were called about five minutes after the polls closed. With redistricting, my U.S. rep changed from Jan Schakowsky to Mike Quigley, both handily won. The even better news is that my daughter, Claire, just got engaged. You already know her, LGBTQ plus first-year med student at Utah, yes. And last weekend, her partner, Rebecca, popped the question. Oh, I wish Dana was here for this. I'm going to have to forward this to her. She's going to love this. Not sure when the wedding will take place with the demands of med school. Also, as pod tax included, uh, here's a pic. Uh, where's the cat? Here is Eloise in one of her favorite spots to watch the squirrels and birds. Thanks for all you do to make the world a better place. Oh, there she is. Hi, Eloise. Thank you for this. Uh, congratulations on the wedding plans. Next up from Kelsey, she and her. Hey there, two pieces of good news. First, I successfully brought someone with me to vote blue this year. He's a longtime friend of mine who's never even registered to vote in his 40-something years. With the same-day registration available here in California and me sending him directions to his neighborhood polling place, he had no excuse not to go and cast a provisional ballot. I'm pretty sure he only did it to impress me. He's been trying to get in my pants for years, but I'll take it. Whatever works, right, ladies? (laughs) Oh, Kelsey, I love you. Second and more exciting is that my sister was successfully elected to her local city council. She is a lone blue spot in a sea of red in a tiny town in northeast Nevada between Battle Mountain and Elko. She stepped up and ran as part of a field of five candidates competing for two seats and crushed it. I'm so proud of her. I've been bragging to everyone as if she won a Senate seat. She is a mother of three, works for the local school and city department, and is still committed to making even more of a difference in her corner of the universe. City Councilwoman Wingham is a badass, and everybody needs to know it. I don't have any pet tax to submit, but I'm sending along Halloween costume photos of my nieces and nephew from the past two years. In addition to all of her other talents, my sister absolutely kills the kids' Halloween costumes. They always look so good. (gasps) We have a Cruella de Vil. It's amazing. 
We have an incredible Edward Scissorhands. That's my favorite movie, by the way. Wow, that's amazing. That is impressive. And Beetlejuice. Oh my gosh, these are so good. Dude, you're right. She kills these costumes. Very impressive. And congratulations on the councilwoman. And finally, from Stacy, pronouns she and her. Agree with your comments the other day, accrediting Gen Z for these election results. I just wanted to add, shout out to my fellow Gen X parents. Whoop, whoop. A big fucking cheers to us. Quote, we're for one, for seeing through the bullshit, rejecting racism, misogyny, homophobia, etc. Also for acknowledging the generational traumas and ongoing healing processes. And for teaching our children to know better, be better, and do better. They saved us this election. Our mothers and grandmothers would be proud AF. Thanks for all you do. Your show is a favorite coping mechanism. Pairs well with my morning coffee. Added a photo of our Lucy in her Batgirl costume for your viewing pleasure. (gasps) And yes, I love dogs in costumes. Oh, the Batgirl costume is adorable. And so is this doggo. Look at the little whiskers and the ears. They look like they're super soft ears. I bet they are. I bet they are. I wish I could feel them. I wish I could pet the puppy through the screens. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you for bringing people with you. Thank you for voting blue over Q. I'm actually, I just signed up to cure some ballots here in California in a close race in California's 41st district. The Republicans ahead by a little bit. There's a lot of ballots to be cured. So I'm going to drive all the way up there to California's 41st and uh, drive around the district and knock on people's doors and tell them, hey, you need to cure your ballot. And I'll do that whether they voted for Republican or whether they voted for the Democrat. I want all those votes to count because that's how democracy works. Thank you guys so much. I'll be back tomorrow with Dana. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And thanks for bringing people with you. I've been AG and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>